This episode of Tales of the Voidfarer is brought to you by The Gallery. Based out of New York, The Gallery is a curated collection of photographs from all around the world. While we're all unable to travel, this is a great way to bring a piece of the world to you. All prints are made of 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, The Gallery is offering our listeners 15% off their purchase by using the code 15OFF. Go to thegallery.com, that's T-H-E-G-A-L-R-Y.com, so your wall will never be boring again. Hey, that was a neat ad, huh? If you're a podcaster and want to get paid to read ads like that, check out Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you're going to get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. And if you sign up, be sure to tell them those cool nerds from Tales of the Voidfarer sent you. Okay, the bills are paid. Let's get on with the show. This episode is from our Gen Con online live stream we did on Saturday, August 1st. If you want to see our lovely faces, you can still watch the VOD for a limited time at twitch.tv slash project derailed, after which it'll live permanently over on youtube.com slash project derailed. Oh, and thanks to Tom Goldthwaite for the theme song you're about to hear and purple-planet.com for all the additional music. Enjoy the show. everybody welcome to spelljammer confirmed this is a special live episode of tales of the voidfarer our fifth edition spelljammer actual play podcast that you can hear every other tuesday i am nick yurisiva your dungeon master and i am joined by our usual suspects uh fiona lf kelly uh tanner bivens and saker but we also have some very special guests Bonnie and Xander of the Library Bards. Yeah. How's everybody doing? <laughs> Jazz hands included. Yeah. Jazz hands are always included. <laughs> it's weird to be on video. Yeah, we never do. Yeah, this is what we look like for anybody who has just listened to our podcast. We understand if you prefer the other format. I disagree. <laughs> I was in on the joke of like, it's weird to be on video. And I'm like, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we could do this. You like never do this. Do. Yeah. Or I'm just in my underwear sitting here. So, I mean, yeah. go on. Be honest, none of us are actually wearing pants right now. It's okay to admit that. Yep. God, no. It's really hot. I got proof right here. Oh, Oh, wow. Just showing off your flexibility. All right. right. Get it. The chat is blowing up, Tanner. Calm down, Yogi. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, we have a fun special one shot that is going to be canonical to our Tales of the Voidfarer story. It does, in fact, take place between chapters three and four. So if you die in the game, you die in real life. 
Yeah, always. Yes. Always. Yeah, no, if any, if any of your characters die, then we need to scrap the two episodes we already recorded. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, no, there will not be a deck of many things. <laughs> so, uh, without further ado, let's jump into things. Uh, and we'll introduce characters as they come up in the story. So, Caspian and Bluebell, you are on the deck of a tradesman, which is a small ship sailing through wild space that vaguely looks kind of like a fish. It has a big dorsal fin-like sail with booms that come off to the port and starboard that kind of resemble pectoral fins and two bulbous portholes on the bow that resemble eyes. You're just up on the deck and traveling into this solar system called Crot Space, specifically in search of the legendary Spelljammer, a ship that is said to have existed as long as Wild Space itself, a ship that is supposed to have its own sentience, and a ship so large it carries a city on its back. You're traveling with your companion, a halfling wizard by the name of Sophie Brighttail, who is currently sitting upon the helm of this tradesman piloting it. And while you're sitting there together, you hear in the back of your heads uh, her voice saying, um, you might want to come down and take a look at this. And you know that you go to the helm's room, which is at the un below decks towards the front. As we're walking, uh, Caspian, who is a water... I, okay, a water genasi or water genasi, you know, it, the debate is up there. <laughs> <laughs> so I Get might switch Jeff. back and forth. Yeah, uh, but a water genasi He's blue, uh, but uh -huh. he's got this, um, it, it seems like he's almost made out of this shimmering uh, water, um, but has this rugged sort of seaweed beard uh, that sort of protrudes from what seems to be like an ever-flowing uh, skin of sorts, and pointed ears, and you can see a lot of that skin uh, as he seems to be in this like well-muscled form that's like scantily clad, uh, but has a lot of like um, bubbles shaped like jewelry, so a lot of bracelets or um, necklaces and stuff like that. And the way that he's just carrying himself, you can tell that goes with the flow. And, but he turns to Bluebell and is just like, man, when she just talks right in there, instant migraine. That's, you know, her voice is quite, um, you know, I, I wouldn't call it not melodic, but it's really not, is it? And she tends to talk at a volume that is quite sensitive to my ears. Um, speaking of, if you see what I'm wearing, uh, Bluebell is a tabaxi, a um, basically a, high, a humanoid cat person, and uh, is about the same height as Caspian. Uh, they've known each other for a long time, tend to travel around together, and uh, <laughs> like we do in real life. <laughs> and um, is in between gigs right now. She's a bard, she tends to travel around solar systems, solar systems. Uh, but you'll notice on her arm, she has like a very strange contraption on her right arm that would almost be, look like a digitized, like, piano but it's not piano keys it has like different runes on it um uh and and different sounds and like ambience music is 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 created with with each key um it's it's not on right now though but she always has it on in case that you know she needs to 
in case she ever needs that synthesized drum loop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> study too. Yeah, and anytime Caspian does something stupid, she has like that sad trombone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Instant migraines, man. <laughs> Harsh in my vibe. Can you have a bard that's just a soundboard, Nick? I've never asked this, but it seems useful. <laughs> yeah, I'm the sound bard. Ah, yes. Instead of the yeah. sound bard. There it is. Oh, okay. I see. Okay, that's a wrap, everyone. <laughs> right. Okay. Call that the stream. Uh, okay, so you guys get down into the helm's room, and you see Sophie sitting upon the helm, which is this large kind of wooden high back chair with, like, kind of silk cushions that has little stitching in it that almost resembles stars. And Sophie herself is is tiny. She has kind of um, wizard robes, but they're they're more practical for, you know, travel and adventuring. And she has... Uh, this mane of curly yellow hair that she has pulled into two gigantic pigtails. Aww. And she has large round glasses. And she's sitting there and you can see out the front of the two circular portholes on the front of the ship, um, just open space, this black void of wild space with the distant stars that exist on the interior of the uh, crystal sphere of Crot Space. And she's holding in front of her this little crystal bowl and floating in it is a crystal that is like trained directly ahead, the point of it, um, almost like a compass. And she goes, the divinity beacon is is pointing directly ahead. It's it's locked on to the arcane signals of the spelljammer. It's it's right here. And she points out to nothing. It's just black void in front of you guys. Well, I'm, I don't know if I need an adjustment on my eye holes, but... <laughs> doesn't seem like there's anything there. <laughs> yes, uh, Sophie, are you sure that the Divinity Beacon is not broken? <laughs> no, I, I, I'm certain of it. It's working. My great-grandfather brought this, and he fashioned it from a crystal he took from the Spelljammer itself. He wrote about it all in his journals. I know this cannot be wrong. It is right here. Um, as, as she says, as the ship continues cruising through space uh, forward. Uh, and you really doubt, like, you know, this is, she gets a little, you know, crazy a little at time, a little bit. Uh, but this is, this is kind of at the peak of that. But as you're questioning it a little bit and get to say, begin to say something else, suddenly the visual in front of you shifts as you kind of break this barrier. And you now find yourself in this swirling nebula of orange and yellow that was not visible from the outside. I like the new screensaver. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, it's, it's, this is, this is a nebula. Whoa. And she waves her hand and casts a spell and uh, she goes, it's, it's definitely magic. It must be hidden from the outside or something. Um, and you see that there are objects floating in space, this debris, this like gray, leathery, like large chunks of something. Um, so Nick, you you say there's objects in this nebula, but yeah, is there coffee in that nebula? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. That's just for the Trekkies, and I'll, I'll and we'll move on. Sorry. I yeah yes. yeah. I don't know Kuba, what I expected. Chakotay, let's explore. <laughs> so yeah, uh, no. <laughs> you see, you see these large solid objects floating in this no nebula of dust, no uh, and um. Uh, you just see Sophie's eyes are wide and she goes, it, it has to be here somewhere. And almost on cue, there's a shadow through the nebula that comes into view through the, the front window of the ship. 
almost obscuring the entire view, this dark manta ray shaped shadow. That's it. You found it. <laughs> I don't think that's it, Caspian. I, I was told a whole city can fit on, on it, and I'm pretty sure this isn't it. As you get closer, it does appear to be very large. and Oh, maybe it is it. you can't make out the details it's just the shadow through the haze and as you're looking at it suddenly your vision goes black (laughs) ravnus you are working your way through the market Mm -hmm. it's abandoned there's things thrown about everywhere market stalls turned over People have been looking for supplies and food for a long time. The factions aboard this ship are constantly at each other's throats, and the Frost Giants and Nyagi both are competing to control the food supplies being taken out of the garden by the servitors. So anyone who can't pay their prices needs to fend for themselves. So you, hungry, desperate, are out searching in the abandoned, ruined marketplace for something to eat and maybe something to pawn. Yeah, um, she's going through, turning stuff over, um, looking through the abandoned stalls, seeing if there's anything at all really left behind that's useful or uh, something she can eat. Yeah, you take some time kind of towing through everything. It looks like everything has been picked over for the most part. Uh, You do see other people here and there, but they generally keep their distance. Kind of the market is kind of like the no man's land here, where most of the time the various factions are staying out of each other's way. You spot a large hippo folk uh, lumbering his way down a nearby alley, but he keeps his distance. And at one point you see the skittering of a Niagi, this spider-bodied creature with a long eel-like neck kind of peer at you from over a building but tuck away but for the most part in the central area they'll keep their distance but it's a figure nearby that catches your attention you see a small figure dart into a nearby ruins of like a shop stall and you get the impression that that's probably someone you could take you know if they had something valuable or something that you could eat okay um yeah she's going to uh chase in after them and see if it looks like they're they have something that she can uh that she can have. Yeah. You turn the corner and you see uh, rummaging through like what looks like a, a hidden away crate uh, and opens it and it looks like there's some valuables uh, inside. And you turn and you see a, a small penguin person. You don't recognize them, but Luckbeak, would you like to describe what you look like? Sure. You two do not recognize each other. Got mm-hmm. it. Oh, how mysterious, Nick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luckbeak is a, uh, a doar, so I'm a basically penguin folk. Um, Nick, you made me, I thought we were going to introduce the beginning. You made me sweat for so long. I saw Bonnie was cosplaying, so um, <laughs> penguin are just business birds. So uh, oh, oh I decided to do that. Oh, that's good. Out of nowhere. Wow. Um, <laughs> now, I, now I feel like I have to up my game and put my paws on. Oh, please, Go please. Um, what am I wearing under here? <laughs> <laughs> it's, fucking, it's fucking hot in this basement, guys. Um, so, yeah, uh, he's a, a little penguin guy. Uh, and um, he's got uh, a, a leather vest on and a crossbow that's kind of uh, always at his side. Um, and uh, he's he looks, you know, usually always worse for wear. He's just yeah. rifling through. Nah, can't use this. Ah, no, this ain't no good to me neither. Damn, I thought there would be something good in here. Ugh. Uh, I turn around. Do I see this Githyanki, Nick? You do. Um, and Fiona, why don't you describe Ravnus? 
Yeah, uh, Ravnus is a, uh, she's a Githyanki, so uh, if you don't know what that looks like, I've always kind of imagined them as like the Draugr from Skyrim, which is uh, fairly <laughs> close, I think. Um, she's just <laughs> over five feet tall. She has uh, long red hair that's tied um, that's tied half up in the back, and she has some uh, braids in the loose parts. And um, she's clearly a fighter. She's wearing armor and looks a little bit battle-worn, and she comes and uh, takes Luckbeak by the throat. Uh, and she says, um, give me everything that you have. I, I don't want trouble, lady. I, I ain't got nothing you want. What, 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 what you want my crossbow? <laughs> you can have it. It's yours. At that minute, another figure turns around the corner and is like surprised because he seems to have been lost in thought. But, uh, <laughs> Marco, why don't you describe your character? <laughs> all right. All right. Um, so Marco is... An exceptionally tall and exceptionally lanky, kind of like emaciated looking person. Like he's kind of the description of like, you know, skin and bones type. Um, he has very like scraggly hair and a very uh, long beard that is also very much clearly like haphazardly trimmed. Um, I see you're also cosplaying. <laughs> Sam, Nick. Precisely. Now, if I will take off my shirt. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tanner. I love you. <laughs> now love it's you. a show. <laughs> I don't know about the lanky part, but I do know about the definitely the beard part. <laughs> and now my my hair is getting long to the point where it actually is starting to match Marco. So like uh -huh. it's Marco esque. Uh, art's imitating life, sort of deal. Right. Uh, <laughs> buddy, buddy, she's trying to hurt me. Hey, come here. Uh she's she's trying to rummage through Luckbeak's pockets and see what he has. Uh, Marco, you were actually searching for the Academy of Human Knowledge, which you know is is located near the aft of this massive ship, but you stumbled upon this altercation that you were not expecting. I'm going to take the assumption that I do not recognize who these two are. You do not are. recognize either of them. All right, so I'm going to look at the situation. Now, my friend, saying to Ravnus, <laughs> um, there's no need to do anything hasty. Now, I mean, look at him. He He's small. He's defenseless. I mean, please, let's... um. Let's just relax here. I'm sure whatever he did, he's sorry. Now, Marco, while you're saying this and while your attention is focused on Ravnus and the two of them, something in your vision begins to shift. Things begin to like go opaque and sort of fade away, revealing the stars in the white opalescent space beyond. It's strange. You don't know what's happening, but then suddenly the feeling feels familiar. And also, so does the people in front of you. And... Luckbeak and Ravnus, you, you experience the same phenomenon. And there's this astral connection that snaps between the three of you, and suddenly all of your memories return. You know who each other are. You know you were part of the crew of the Voidfarer. But the last thing you remember, you were on the ship in routes to the moon called the Vizier to make a shipment for the Moonhammer Mining Company. You don't know where you are now. Ravnus! <laughs> <laughs> is this a fighter test? Are you testing me again? Karate chop! Karate chop! <laughs> uh, she, uh, she lets go of uh, <laughs> Luckbeak's neck, and she says, um, you shouldn't have offered the only weapon you can defend yourself with. Now, come on, that's not fair. Is this another one of your hair tricks? Is that how you did this? <laughs> <laughs> did anybody else... Um, what? What is going on here? I mean, what? do you all understand... Okay, I'm currently lost, which rarely happens, but, um... Wait, yeah. No, 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 yeah. you, you got a point, Marco. Um, where is... 
I'm looking around. Anything look familiar, Nick? Yeah. So as you begin to take in your surroundings, things begin to kind of snap into place. Um, you get the impression you've been here like a week. Hmm. And you're not quite sure exactly how it happened, but what you do know is you piece together kind of the situation that you're on a ship, but a gargantuan one, a ship that is basically a city because you're standing in what looks like a pretty normal marketplace. And you know that there's different factions that are competing with each other, and there's a captain in charge of this giant ship, but a lot of factions don't like him, um, but you're at the, a lot of the details are super fuzzy. But the other thing as you're observing is that the sky above you, the space above you, is not the black void that normally would be if you were just in wild space. It is this silvery, almost opalescent sky with the faint pinpricks of stars. And like that opalescence shifts and creates different colors. Marco, go ahead and make me an arcana check. I was about to ask just that. Okay, okay. (laughs) All right, so that's a 21. 21. Yeah, you know some things. You're a little confused, but you're pretty sure you're not on the material plane anymore. In fact, this looks like the Astral Sea. And when you make that realization, you can now notice, it's almost as if it it becomes visible when you make this connection in your brain. You see it coming from the back of Ravnus and Luckbeak, almost protruding from between their shoulder blades, is a silvery strand that kind of undulates and fades into invisibility about a foot away. And you kind of look back over your shoulder and you can just make out one coming from your back as well. And what you know about the astral plane, this silver strand is tethering you to your mortal bodies that's still somewhere on the material plane. (laughs) Jeez Louise. (laughs) So I don't believe that we are on the, we're in the astral, like we're, we're, we are in a completely different time and place right now. Um, do you... Let's let's try to piece all this together. Do any of you all remember anything about how we got here? Because we are not on the material plane anymore. I, I, I got nothing. Last thing I remember is, I don't know, we were touching down somewhere and... God. Ravis, you got anything? Feels like we've been here like a week. I yeah. remember the hamsters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I made friends with like a dust ball or something in the past week, or <laughs> I've been real lonely. I'm so glad you guys are back. Wait, actually, Val, uh, Tiana, where's everybody yeah. else? That's a fan. We should probably start looking for them then. I mean, if if we're here, it stands to reason that they might be here as well. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we... Did, did Val land anywhere on the way to Vizier? No, not that I remember. It could be more of this, you know, astral link chosen one bullshit that we three seem to go through all the time for some weird reason. But <laughs> yeah, they, they probably are here too, I'd imagine. Suddenly there's a flash of light about eight feet in the air. And you look up to see the circular disc of light appear. And suddenly three humanoids fall out onto the ground next to you. You see a water genasi, a tabaxi, and a halfling. You guys land hard. The last thing you remember is you were in your ship and everything went black. Oh, now I have a mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what those feel like, Caspian. Oh, these are the worst. As you say that, Caspian comes raining down from the sky and splatters and get, just drenches you. <laughs> <laughs> 
now, now I have a wet migraine. <laughs> and then slowly, sort of like Alex Max himself back together. Oh, <laughs> uh, hey, uh, uh, hail. I guess I don't really know what the protocol here is. Do we have our equipment? Yeah, you have all all your equipment, all all your clothing, your armor, everything, everything you had before. Funny okay. you should say that, because under this shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you guys all trying to uh, bite By the my end style. of this entire podcast, we're just all going to be naked. This is strip yeah. D&D. Yeah. Nobody mentioned strip that, <laughs> but that's what we're playing tonight. Derailed um, after oh, it's, dark. It's uh, Gen Con um, after dark. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, uh, hey, hey, actually, there are other people here, right, Nick? I mean, there are other, You've like. Seen, there's no one immediately around, okay. but there are other people around in this Sure. City I guess ship. they did just come through a portal, though. That's pretty fucked up. They did just come uh, through a portal. Um, uh, hey, hey, uh, y- y'all all right? Whoa. And he'll sort of, like, uh, twist around and become humanoid again. You're on the Spelljammer. You you must be a sacred member of the Spelljammer family. And he sort of gets real up in your business. I, I don't Mark. Hi. Marco, what's yeah, the spell? Ravnus has her sword out. She's <laughs> um, she's ready to, you know, attack these guys if they look like they're going to attack them. She's suspicious. Nick, do I know what the spell jammer is? I would say in your readings, you've picked up a little bit, but you know, it, it's like a legendary ship that in most of your readings, it reads like like a Greek myth, almost like where oh. like there's accounts here and there and people who claim to have seen it, but uh, nothing concrete, nothing that makes you think it's anything that like actually exists, at least from what you've seen. But from what you've gleaned, it is this gargantuan legendary ship that does have a city on its back that is thought to have existed as long as wild space itself and more importantly it's a ship that is said to have its own sentience i will say then to uh luck beak and then cast um my friend is is everything okay did you have like maybe a bump on the head did you take anything uh that maybe you shouldn't have before you teleported to wherever we are as you address Caspian, uh, he instantly switches his target to you and just says, Oh, you are a chosen prophet, chosen by the divinity bacon. You will lead me to the chosen one on the Spelljammer and have Ca- your teachings teach me. Caspian, Caspian, chill. Um, so, I'm so sorry for my friend here. He tends to think a lot of people are prophets. Remember that last time when you, like, randomly went to a merchant and you gave him, you know, that whole complex and now he, you know, now he's off doing Lord knows what. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I helped him find his way. <laughs> and he helped me find mine. <laughs> I'm just going to turn to Sophie. I'm like, Sophie, how did we get here? Like, what did your divinity compass thing do to us? The last thing I remember, we were on the ship and now we're on the ship yeah like she seems disoriented and she stands and she kind of holds out the beacon which the crystal floating in the center of the bowl is just now spinning look at it porky appendage the divinity bacon speaks (laughs) (laughs) she looks at it confused and goes this is i mean this is the source of the the source we've been tracking but something isn't right the spell gemma shouldn't be in the astral sea and you can tell that she's just really racking her brain in thought, very confused. I'm going to look to Sophie and be like, excuse me, you you seem to be the captain here. Um, 
I'm sorry, um, but you keep talking about the Spelljammer. That's it's a it's a myth. It's it's it's, it's not a myth. There's there's no way that we're on the Spelljammer. It's not a myth. It's very real. My great grandfather visited it. She she like pulls into her pack and pulls out a, an old leather tome. He wrote everything down here. He wrote there was a city on its back. He wrote his, about his inhabitants, the captain, it, everything. I just trust everything she says. I don't question a bit. <laughs> you truly live life dangerously. <laughs> I'm just going to look up at Marco and I'll be like, you'd actually be surprised how many legends and, and myths are actually true. Sometimes they get lost in translation, especially if, you know, you have a rhyming scheme to think of. But you would be quite surprised how many things are actually true when it comes to legends. I kind of made a career out of that, surprisingly enough, but I'm willing to believe you. <laughs> but everything, every evidence that I have found seems to indicate that the Spelljammer is a myth. So what do we... Can you help us out here? We're also very confused right now. How, how are we on the Spelljammer? Well, for us, we just... We found a nebula that seemed to have been hidden by magic, and when we flew into it, we ended up here. And there was no coffee either. <laughs> Wait, wait now awesome. we can't we can't get marco stuck on this because if he gets stuck on this like spell jammer thing we're gonna spend the rest of our lives here he'll abandon every pretense of every other relationship <laughs> he ever had in his life to stay here forever so great we're on this mythological ship so how do we get the hell off it i will say at that luck beak um as you say that you notice that marco's already looking around and kind of starting sure. to get lost sure. and talk a little bit. starts wandering <laughs> away a little bit uh sophie's gonna say well that's the thing i don't she like looks at the the astral like tethers uh which you the three of you her and uh bluebell and uh caspian have them as well she looks at him and goes we're astral projecting into the astral sea we're still tethered to our uh mortal bodies but how could we be on the spell gemmer unless unless this is the spirit of the spell gemmer in the astral sea and not the actual spell gemmer? I dig that. Do you mean to tell me our physical bodies are still up on our ship? So if something happens to our ship, we're stuck here in this ghost ship. Yes, I'm if very something confused. If something happens to our bodies, we would die. If uh, oh, that's what. <laughs> yeah, if uh, I mean, but I, they're, presumably they're floating in the middle of space, uh, so I would think they are fine with not going to get randomly stumbled upon. I wouldn't think the only other thing we would have to worry about is the the tethers getting severed. But there's only a certain few ways that could happen. And then she th stops for a second, and looks at Ravnus. Did you bring a silver sword with you? I know Gith Yankee carry them on occasion. Uh, she is holding her sword. It's not a Githyanki silver sword, though. No, it's not. It's right. a it's a regular long sword. Yeah. And she says, um, no. She goes, well, that's a relief then, because the Githyanki silver sword is one of the things that can cut a tether. Beyond that, the only thing we really have to worry about is like an astral dreadnought or something. Don't speak it into reality. So if we <laughs> if we die on the Spelljammer, we die for real? Well, that's the thing. I'm not. Sure. If normally in an astral projection, if you were to be knocked unconscious in your astral state, you would just snap back to reality. But this doesn't seem to be exactly the same as an astral projection spell. Uh, Marco, stand there and I'll pull out like a cudgel I have. Let me just hit you real quick just to see if you go back. That's what I was 
gonna do? Okay. And I turn to Caspian and I slap him really hard. <laughs> and Marco looks and says, "Well, there's only one way to find out." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. experiments. Nothing happens. <laughs> I just wanted to slap Caspian. Caspian, your face stings a little bit. It's <laughs> yeah. definitely like a splash sound as something starts comes back. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. All right. So we're not dreaming. I guess. Um. So, I don't know. Well, I mean, so what's written about Sophie, right? That's what you said your name? Wait, who are all you guys Sophie and? Yeah. Bluebird? I'm Caspian. Caspian, okay. I'm a monk of the Spelljammer. <laughs> that is what I search for, is my enlightenment. I have achieved an astral projection unlike any other monk has ever achieved before. Therefore, I am here. You are now. Um... He's on to something, yep. actually. Sure. All right. Fair. <laughs> uh, I'm Bluebell. I'm not going to go into that whole speech thing. Uh, perfect. Best and I are old friends. Sometimes I regret that friendship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sophie is going to say, well, if my great-grandfather's notes are anything to be believed, although they are speaking of the real spell, Gemma, so I don't know how this is different, but... He escaped by commandeering a ship from the shipyard of the Spelljammer itself, but if we're on the Astral Sea, I don't see how that would do any good. The only other thing would be maybe speaking to the captain, because on the material Spelljammer, the captain would maybe be able to grant somebody the ability to leave. Maybe that has some sort of correlation to our situation? I don't know. I'm merely spitballing here. Then what are we waiting for? Let's go get off this plane of astrals and talk to the captain it's worth a try uh so which way is that would, would any of us know because like you know we've been here for a week um yeah. you get the impression it's like towards the front of the ship probably not far from here but everything is real fuzzy fuzzy everything is real foggy during the there time before you kind of were snapped back to your uh your senses but as you're kind of talking about that, you see someone that you actually recognize. You see Lester, one of the gunners on the Voidfarer, kind of turn a corner and sees the group of you. And he immediately puts up his hand and goes, uh, I don't want any, I don't want any trouble. L Lester. Hey, no, no, no. He's, he's with us, guys. It's fine. You can put your hands down, Caspian. It's, it's all right. Oh, I just want to imitate the ambience <laughs> that I'm getting. Sure, sure. Mirroring <laughs> exercise. I hear it's very mm -hmm. useful in therapy. Um, <laughs> Lester, are you, are you okay? Do you remember anything? How? I, do I know you? Oh, Voidfair. Okay. You're part of our crew. No. Voidfair. Look, I'm trying to I don't know what kind of trick this is, but if you do anything to me, I'm one of the lieutenants of the captain. Wait, Wait. Oh. some people got backstories? Uh, I didn't get a backstory. I made friends with a <laughs> dust ball. <laughs> Maybe the backstories were the friends we made along the way. <laughs> if you do anything to me, the, the, the captain's wrath will know no bounds. Ravness will run a hand through her hair, and uh, in doing so, a silver thread will appear on oh, her smart. hand, and she uh, holds it out to Lester and puts her sword down. He looks at it <laughs> cautiously as you, as you cast in code thoughts and hand him the, the, the floating strand, but then will reach out and take it. Hey, yeah, it's uh, it's a memory of him on the Void Fair Rev with all of us. Ravnus, I need I needed to cast a spell to to read that hair. Do you think he needs to? Oh shoot! <laughs> I don't I don't mean to hold the plot I up or nothing. I don't know how to but... play this game. <laughs> Here's the interesting thing. Uh, Luckvik has a point that is true. However, being in the astral sea in this realm of dreams and thought, 
as soon as he touches it, it dissolves and he his eyes like flash and he goes, what? What? What's going on? Lester, are you are you back, buddy? You with us here? Yeah, Marco. Yeah. Um, what? Thank God he knows who I am. <laughs> where where are we um the spell jammer or the spirit of the spell jammer it's a long story where are we really i point over <laughs> to sophie's like she'll tell you on the way but for right now sophie's um, just nodding we need to talk to the cat i know it's, it's it's weird um but we need to talk to the captain and just before you got your memories back you said that you were the lieutenant of the captain he thinks about it and goes, yeah 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 i can i can take you to the captain did you become lieutenant in a week i don't i don't know i just i was here uh, i i don't know how i turned to luck beat and i was like yeah he got a backstory you're sus hey listen <laughs> all right i didn't make it up for myself maybe i did make it up for myself god am i really that unimaginative <laughs> we all make up our backstories ourselves yeah hey <laughs> Boy, I, oh, I hate this guy already. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Ravnus, God, I hope this isn't... There are like 35 people on the Void Fair. This is not a collect them all situation, is it? <laughs> well, I Ravnus would know that she can only cast in code thoughts once per oh, day. Oh, well, then we got Lester. That's the one we chose, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He was the first one. In the grand scheme of things, it might actually be helpful here. Yeah, no, no, no. He's he's lieutenant. This makes well, sense. All I right. I mean, hey, and now we actually get to know someone who we barely talked to on the ship. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. That's what all the fans wanted was a Lester, uh, Lester adventure. Lester! They're cheering right now <laughs> hearing that character whose name was mentioned once i think in episode three <laughs> no he showed up all right way. he's he's at least a c-tier void fair crew got member. it okay <laughs> this is how we get to bomb we should have gotten coots oh, yeah. i just came up with a ship name for saker and lester it could be uh, luck lester that's not <laughs> bad Aww. y'all should y'all that's should have good. a duo team <laughs> i mean i would watch that are you ready fan that ship has now launched yeah. Yeah. Better than Lusbeak. Yeah. I mean, anything is though. Lusbeak? Ugh. <laughs> so Lester will say, yeah, I can take you to the captain. Come on. And he'll turn and he'll head down an alleyway. As we're walking, I'm going to like pull Ravnus aside and be like, hey, Ravnus, can I talk to you for a sec? I guess. Hey, I know. I know you're not real. <laughs> Listen, I thought we were on good terms. Isn't that how season three ended? Hold on. <laughs> Listen, you... You just got to, like, keep an eye on that tabaxi for me, will you? I mean, last time, I, I don't know what, what Doar tabaxi relationships are usually like, but the last tabaxi we met would not stop licking me. So I just, like, it makes me nervous to be so near one because, like, I'm not sure if they're going to attack me or if, like, Doars are, like, particularly, like, savory to them. So I just don't know if she sees me as food or not, all right? So just keep an eye on her. I was going to keep an eye on all of them. Okay. All right. All right. Good. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. We're racial profiling now. <laughs> He's only met one, so. Yeah. Yeah. Silence yeah. Are you saying we all look the same? <laughs> Listen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Silence of Starlight, way back in episode one. <laughs> I remember some in PC. Nice callback. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, yeah, Lester doesn't lead you far, but as you're walking, you can kind of get an idea of the, like, kind of terrain of the city. And you see that there's large spires that shoot up off in the distance. You can make out over some of the other smaller buildings, and you can kind of see occasionally, like, lifting into above the tops of the buildings off in the distance, this kind of undulating tail 
of the ship and off to the sides occasionally you can see these large like wing like flaps kind of raise and go back down and it definitely gets the impression as you kind of get glimpses through the buildings uh that it, you are on the back of what appears to be a giant manta ray knew it. creature um, or ship yeah right at that marco's just gonna say well fuck me it's real <laughs> is that an offer or <laughs> marco kind of looks like inquisitively and like um we we got bigger fish to fry right now but let's Talk afterwards. Uh, yeah. So, uh, fish joke. <laughs> <laughs> we got bigger manta ray to fry. And I, I perk up too at the mention of fish. Like, ooh. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, maybe there's some koa toa around. Mm. That's the only reason I travel around with cats. <laughs> oh. I like tuna. It all makes sense. Yeah, so Lester leads you inside, and it's kind of like a, a one of the shorter buildings, but you see that there's a large spire that protrudes from the center of it, and he leads you inside, and it's kind of like a rundown building, but it looks like at one point it was actually quite lavish, and he'll lead you up like a curved set of stairs into what looks like a large like kind of office type room with like a desk and the remains of some fancy furniture, but they look like they've kind of fallen to disrepair a little bit, and there's a wide window that looks out into the astral sea. And there's a, a figure standing there with her back to you. You guys enter, Lester says, well, we have visitors, and you see the figure turn around, and it is, in fact, the captain of the Voidfair, Valeria Rain. She is a dark-skinned half-elf with slightly pointed ears, dark auburn hair that is kind of pulled back into uh, various braids, and she has a long coat and a, a cutlass on her belt. Ah, Lester... Who are these lot? Uh, and Lester, like, kind of looks at you and shrugs a little bit, and he goes, uh, we found them. Um, and they, uh, they wanted to speak to the captain. And Val says, all right, I'll fetch the captain then. Oh. <laughs> and she uh, will walk to one of the side doors. It's like a double door off of this, like, large, like, kind of meeting office type room. And she says, Captain, it looks like we have new arrivals that would like an audience. And she waits a second and then will return. Um, and opening the door and coming out behind her is a large, wide, imposing figure with a long coat, a tri-corner hat, standing with authority and imposing his large turtle shell on his back. Yes. And his long <laughs> neck. Ridiculous. Oh. Uh, you see Coot, the cook of the Voidfair, but seemingly the captain of the Spelljammer, walk out and go, Oh, yes! New arrivals, I see. I am oh. the captain of this mighty ship, the queen of the wild space, <laughs> the Spelljammer itself. Oh, captain! <laughs> and uh, uh, Caspian will just like totally bow down to him and uh, start beginning like yoga poses of like, I knew you would be graced by your presence. I felt it in my water today. So completely ignoring the captain, I'm going to look at them as like, do you mean to tell me that this is one of your friends too? And their backstories are the captain of the ship, which means they probably can't help us at all. I look over to uh, Luckbeak and I said, I swear to the gods above that if you just spiked our fucking like drinks with some hallucinogen. No, no, this is, uh, this is, you're going to get an ice knife. This is, the no. Ravnus turns Luckbeak and she says, uh, Coot had the best backstory. He did. But Ravnus, this isn't, this is an easy solution. Just like, you know, appeal to, you know, your shared history and he's going to snap back. Like, you know, your, your relationship. 
Are you telling me that you were romantically entwined with the captain of the Spelljammer? I didn't want to be that out and out with it, but... <laughs> no. What? He's just the guy who gives us the food. I thought you... We, I... Oh, okay. I had a real misinterpretation of what your relationship was with him. I'm sorry. Doesn't he give you food, too? <laughs> yeah. No, that's not what I was All referring right. to. Ram, never mind. I think he was referring Are that Coop was giving you something more with him? No, 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 no. I <laughs> never mind. Never mind, Ram. Just never mind. Um. Yeah. Well. Okay. So he's got a good Ship backstory. <laughs> so what do we do? Um. If you like concentrate really hard and like squeeze, can you do another encode thoughts? Just like grow your hair real fast. <laughs> Ravenous tries to do encode thoughts again. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. But Coot is going to stand there and say, how can I be of service? Mm. Captain <laughs> Coot. Great question. Um, <laughs> how did, you know, I'm going to let someone else take this one right now. I just don't know what anything is anymore. Uh, okay. S well, how do we say this? So we don't belong here. Um, hey, actually, Coot, just look behind you, dude. Look, look at your your shell, the back of your shell. I like point at his like strand, his long neck kind of cranes oh, to look neck. over the back. Come on, <laughs> the back of his shell, and he and he looks back and goes, "I don't understand what kind of trick you're trying to pull." It doesn't appear he can see it. All right, well, I was gonna appeal to reason. Somebody else do another trick. Um, I'll try this one on for size. Um, do you know what's for dinner tonight? The Shivaks provide the food. They harvest it from the garden and disperse it to all. They are who bring me my food as well. Um, Did you know there are vegetarian options? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll pass it over to Bluebell and Caspian. Maybe they have something. I don't know. Um, Sophie's going to say, maybe if we can just say we need off the ship, maybe he can help us just as the captain, at least tell us maybe what we have to do. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm just kind of guessing. Sure. Well, uh, hey, uh, so, Captain Coot, that's fun to say. Um, we uh, don't belong here. We're, um, well, well, basically, we got here by accident. Um, and you know how things happen. I mean, there's all sorts of, you know, anomalies and space detritus and things throwing things around. So, listen, thing is, our ship is pretty close. If you get us away out of here, we will be on our way and i know that might be a big ask but it would be a huge favor and everything he said is exactly the same with the, the three of us here and i put to sophie and caspian we're actually on a different ship and we got stuck here for no reason uh so, my friend sophie here played with her little crystals and then all of a sudden we're here on a plane of astrals <laughs> and we would really like to go back please thank you so Coot captain nods along yeah <laughs> Captain Cootie, I <laughs> will offer my services as a holy pilgrim to help assist these non-believers off of the Spelljammer in exchange for a permanent residence in this place of holy magic. <laughs> you know, Caspian. he might actually belong here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Caspian, uh, why, what, what do you think will happen when the ship that we're on takes off and your body is on it? I never really needed it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll help you as a, a, a penance for what you have done to me in delivering me to enlightenment. <laughs> so Coot is going to nod along and say, So you're saying you would like passage off of this ship? 
Is that correct? Yeah, yes. yeah, you you got yeah. it. Except for him, I guess. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, no, he's, he's coming he's, with me, Caspian. Oh, okay, all right. I, I do just want to uh, make sure that you understand yeah. that we are two different parties. Like, I don't know him. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> these people. They seem lovely. However, two different groups here together for the same reason. Mm. So, Koodle nod and say, Normally, the Spelljammer does not like individuals to leave. However, as the captain currently bonded with the ship... I may be able to allow such a thing to happen. However, I would only do so if you can do a favor for me. Name it. Here's the hook. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would like to perform a ritual with the spell jammer to create these small jammers, the spell jammers offspring ships, if you like. A purely uh, non-sexual <laughs> ritual. <laughs> I swear to God, the actual uh, Spelljammer books say. <laughs> Marco, they, um, they made a point to clarify. To create these ships that may someday grow into this Spelljammer, if this Spelljammer should ever be destroyed. But the ritual takes 18 weeks, and it would close off the garden which is the source of food to all the inhabitants, as such many inhabitants do not wish me to perform this ritual, but the Spelljammer demands it of me. It is possible that one of the other inhabitants will try to overthrow me as captain, because they possess an ultimate helm, an object imbued with the spirit of the ship that would allow them to become captain. <laughs> if you can find and recover this ultimate helm, and bring it back to me so that I'm not usurped during this ritual. I will let you go. Oh, okay, fantastic. I thought you were asking us to stay for 18 weeks, and that was not going to be part of the negotiation. No. But yeah, retrieving some kind of little relic or something to make your little mini jams, that totally sounds doable. <laughs> uh, I'm sure if we all work together, I look at the, the three of the other party. Sure. Look at Let's kind of size them up. <laughs> You see three losers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Marco's eyes are currently as big as Caspian's over here. It's just like a ritual, you say, to make other little ships, you come say. Come on, Marco. No, come on. We got, let's just do this you're, thing. You're right. You're right. Um, you're right. I should. Sure. I should exercise restraint. Um, but 18 <laughs> weeks, you say. <laughs> Marco, we already. No, you're right. We've been out of our bodies for a week now. Who knows what the hell happened to him? We need to get back. We cannot do 18. We will die. You are, you're right. You're right. You're okay, right. All right. Um, 18. Okay. I'll take notes later. Even a but. week. Am I dead? Hold up. I think this might be the afterlife. Am I in hell? Is that uh, so bad? So <laughs> Sophie will speak up and say, uh, if, if this is like astral projection, your body will be in a state of suspended animation. Oh, good. Okay. All right. Good enough. Um, all right, so I've always been told weeks? I'm very angry. <laughs> 18 weeks left week, that's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Uh, Coot will say, I don't know who possesses the ultimate helm, nor what form it takes as it combined itself with any item. But my quartermaster here, and he says, gesturing to Val, um, can tell you about the other inhabitants of the ship and who she believes might possess it. Okay. I will be waiting here for your return. Uh, Captain Va uh, uh, Quartermaster Val, uh, give us the lowdown, please. Val will say, yes, apart from those uh, here loyal to our captain, there are two other main factions that I believe would have interest in overthrowing him. 
excluding things like the frost giants and the Niagi and the handful of illithids here, there are two major factions. One controlled by someone who calls himself Captain Elmsworth. Mm. Oh, shit. And another who merely calls herself the Hedonist Queen. Oh, I don't want to know who this mm. is. <laughs> Hedonist Queen. All right. It's also cute. <laughs> <laughs> It is known that Captain Elmsworth is very ambitious in eyeing the spot of captain of this ship as well. The Hedonist Queen, we are uncertain of her motivations, but she does have a large enough following that she could potentially stage a coup. So those are the two leads I would suggest. All right. I kind of look at Lester throughout. Does he just have like a perpetual like shrug throughout this whole thing? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much, Quartermaster Val. And then just kind of like, kind of quickly like push people out the door and i kind of as soon as we're out the door i look at especially lester ravness and luckbeak and say listen uh, uh all things we're getting off of this ship however apparently the other members of the voidfarer are also the heads of this i'm assuming the hedonist yeah. queen is one we don't know if we kill them are they going to die on the voidfarer this is well, do we, well, have well, to we kill don't have them? to kill them we just have to retrieve an item that could Look, I don't know if you've, uh, you obviously don't know me very well, but I can be very persuasive. Hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> let, let's not kill anybody, Marco. I think that's for the best. No, I'm right there with you. However, things can happen. Like, we could die here. They could be killed too. Sure. Like, well, this is something we should worry about. Yeah. Do you still have your hamster? Do I? You do. Does it have a memory? You have your little hamster in your pocket, Tashi. Well, what's the hamster's backstory, though? <laughs> he has a little, like, wasteland sound. The hamster, the hamster um, is the hedonist queen. It's gone, Marco. <laughs> now it's just like, oh, uh, squeakers. The hamster immediately grows to the size of a grizzly bear. This is my pet, Tashi. Tashi, this is great. Sophie, Bluebell, and Caspian, our new friends. I liked you better when you were smaller, looking at the little hamster, like the cat would. Uh Oh, no, no. I just pointed Ravnus like, this is what I'm talking about. Be careful. Um, (laughs) Squeakers. Down into a tiny little normal hamster size. That is my pet. Thank you very much. All right. All right. So (laughs) I'm thinking I'm thinking the hedonist queen is probably Roxana, maybe. I don't know. Hard to say. But I'd say that's what I thought. Yeah. Out of the two. I mean, Elmsworth seems like the easier target here. I mean, if we are going to have to. Brawla, too. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, yeah. Boy, this don't mean nothing to y'all folk. I'm so sorry that you're... Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just going to look over at Caspian and Sophie, and I was like, I don't think it's fair that we didn't get interesting backstories. Like, we didn't get... We didn't land here, and I didn't get to be a queen. <laughs> we were all queens. <laughs> Sophie's going to say, the mind-altering effects may take some time to take onset. The fact that we ran into these three upon our immediate arrival is probably keeping it at bay for the time being. The actual spell gemma has mind-altering effects as well to charm its inhabitants from keeping them from leaving. I have an idea. Why don't we use the divinity bank? We could pray and use the energy of the spell gemma to see if it could point us in the right direction. Sophie's going to look down at it with the crystal still like spinning like a propeller. <laughs> Uh, and she's going to look down at it and then look up at you and it's like slow blink. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and she'll actually hand it to you. Sure. Uh, I'll take it and I'll, I'll do, yeah. I'll try to, to sort of um, intuit 
Uh, because she had said that this was a part of the Spelljammer, right? So it's got to come from somewhere on here. Potentially. Yeah, she said her grandfather made it from something she he took from the Spelljammer. Does it look like the same sort of material of anything that I see, like the buildings or the road or like any part that I can see? Not really so uh most everything is made out of this like dull gray material that is like almost a little like leathery to the touch uh it's hard uh but it seems almost organic uh but what you're holding is like a crystal the bowl and the crystal floating in it is this like crystalline substance so caspian will be holding it for a bit and then uh while holding the bowl and the crystal still his body seems to take different yoga poses and he seems to close his eyes and eventually he holds it up and just says, we need to investigate Captain Elmsworth. And then hands the crystal back. Perfect. That was really okay. Sometimes you just gotta trust it and go with the flow. I ain't in the mood to question it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> sure. Caspian, like, shook it and then looked at the bottom and it said like absolutely or whatever yes. <laughs> <Okay>. see <laughs> try again yeah. <laughs> we're listening to a magic eight ball yeah yeah <laughs> all right uh wait shit did we ask val where these people are uh lester's with you and he seems to be able to vaguely to show you around. i'm so happy you're here lester <laughs> we made the right choice uh, me me too i'm i'm glad i have my thoughts back that was really cool trick ravenous Thanks. I would, I would <laughs> no say, problem. I would recommend that we split up to, so we can investigate both at the same time. But then, but we don't know your crew at all, so I guess that wouldn't be that, advisable. That's true. And hey, if we encounter any very important named members of your crew, let us know so we don't hurt them. Because I'm sure that you have a lot <laughs> yeah. of friends on that ship, a lot of backstory to worry about. So there was only the three of oh, you well, on that uh, ship. <laughs> yeah, we had a very. We had a very small fish. Okay, got it. To fly yeah, it was in. like a shuttle. It wasn't your main ship. It was the the scout All right. ship. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you drew you the know. short we straw just... to go go investigating. Yeah. Uh, I mean, who gets around? You know, <laughs> he was on both ships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somehow <laughs> someone has to feed them. <laughs> Every right, ship right. has a coot. Uh, okay, let's uh, follow Lester to the Elmsworth estate. So yeah. Uh, Elms, uh, Lester is going to lead you um, out of this building uh, and actually uh, back into the market and uh, like uh, like a block up. And there's another large building and he'll lead you inside and it very quickly opens up into what looks like a massive auditorium. Um, there is uh, like rows and rows of chairs and a stage and behind the stage is like another full glass window that looks out into the astral sea and you can see that this auditorium has kind of been turned into like a little bit of like a makeshift camp like there's different tents and stuff set up around and there's a bunch of people milling about uh marco luckbeak and ravenous you you recognize a good handful of them it seems that if elmsworth is in charge here most of the people beneath him are also members of the Voidfarer crew. Um, List them off so we can cheer for each one of them. <laughs> Your 2020 Voidfarer crew! <laughs> you see... <laughs> you see Orella, you see Doc Gallen, you see Odyssey, the Tiefling Rigger, uh, Lillian, uh, the Human Rigger, Atira, the Dwarven Gunner, uh, Roxana is here, Kale, oh. Riley, and Robin. And then there's a handful of other individuals around that you don't recognize. Um, you get the impression that your ship is not the only ones mm -hmm. that have gotten stranded here. But uh, as Lester is leading you in, it'll be actually be Kale, the teenage angsty boy that everybody knows and loves. <laughs> and we'll oh, be like, yeah, totally. hey, what do you guys think you're doing here? 
Oh, do you need me to hug? <laughs> no. Oh. Parlay? Um, we're here to uh, meet the infamous Captain Elmsworth. Obviously. You want to speak to the captain? Uh, yes. All right, I'll go ask. <laughs> like, he wasn't actually right. expecting, like, a reasonable explanation. Uh, <laughs> it's like he was clearly told, like, hey, stop people from coming in here, but nobody ever does, so he doesn't actually know what to do. But so then he kind of, like, walks down the aisle and uh, down to the stage, and um, I presume you follow him. As we walk by, I just want to put my paw on the stage and go... <laughs> <laughs> just to you know just to have a little nice of normalcy uh-huh. uh, and now that you're down here you can see that there's like a long table that's set up on the stage almost like it's like a council type setup here but uh there's like all crates of supplies and stuff kind of everywhere but you're led down and you see that the stage is kind of turned into like a center of operations almost and kale will get elmsworth's attention who is a uh older he's like in his in his mid-60s human the traditional pirate long coat and a tri-corner hat and he has like the mutton chops that come down into a mustache and his hair is pulled back into a ponytail and he goes is it connected <laughs> it is connected <laughs> yeah beautiful so what brings you to my doorstep Boy, we we should have had a plan going into this like we didn't talk to each other on the way here we didn't come up with any uh i'm just i'm gonna cool. stream's not long I, enough yeah. as you do that i'm just gonna like slowly push him back like as he's saying like we should have had a plan i was like your excellency captain and wait is this the captain i'm talking to mm-hmm. the, mr mutton chops yeah mr mutton chops we are here because we've heard that you have some ambitions that we might be able to help you i know it's very difficult to get close to the captain of this ship Yet, our friend here is a lieutenant willing to betray their captain. <laughs> Go with me, everyone. I'm just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lester, yeah, Lester no, like, in. looks really worried. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but we, sure. <laughs> we've been trying. We've been trying to come up with a plan ourselves, but nothing seems to work. We just, for some reason, um, if only we had some kind of thing to make sure that someone like of your mm, excellence could become captain uh, this is a lot smoother in in real life like let's pretend like this whole speech was really nice maybe i can uh-huh. even roll for it but like yeah like, go, i was go, like I i'm know. laying it on thick like make you can per- tell we just make a persuasion we're check. just not happy with the uh-huh. this is feeling pretty smooth to me and you can make it with advantage because you're playing to his ambitions uh, uh totally smooth Persuasion check? Oh, good. Yeah. Yes. Let's do that. Ooh, 23. Nice. I'm very persuasive. Yeah. He's going to nod and kind of stroke his, his mustache mutton chops, and he's going to say, You're not wrong. I mean, just like you, we are not happy with the way that the spell jammer is run. I think it's time for a change, don't you? Tell us, what ideas do you have? Any, anything just laying around to overthrow the captain? Just, you know, throwing it out there. We're on a time crunch, you see. <laughs> 50 minutes left. 50 yeah. minutes left in the stream. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, he's yeah, going to say... My is getting a little taunt, if you know what Yeah, I mean. he's going to say, 
Well, I just so happen to do have an idea, but I need a particular yeah. object. Oh, oh what right, object? an object. Is it a hat? Is it a MacGuffin? <laughs> no. Oh. But I do know where it is located. If you can re- retrieve it for me, those plans can be put into motion. Ooh, Captain, I like the way you think. I'm going to get real close to him and be like, where is it? He'll turn and make a hand gesture, and you see an elf step forward. You guys <laughs> recognize this elf as Salon, who is the, the helmsman and, and mage of the Voidfarer, step forward and hand Elmsworth a piece of paper. And uh, Salon will say, this is the information I was able to recover from the Elven Academy. It has all the information and the location of the object on it and elmsworth will take it and look at it and say it is located in the armory on this ship it's in the vault aa23 i have a question for lester after we're done here and when he says that you see sophie look concerned but she doesn't immediately say anything Uh, all right well uh hey this is great and you can consider us your loyal soldiers and we'll definitely get the thing and bring it back to you indeed yes quite um Thank you. Take this. Yeah, he'll he'll nod and say, <laughs> "I will be yeah. waiting here." Great. Yes, Captain, my Captain. <laughs> it's been such a pleasure. I'm just gonna like continue making eye contact and like backing away slowly. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if I can't get on the stage to perform, at least allow me this. All right. <sighs> <sighs> I was all for having a big song and dance number to kind of jar our crew into being yeah, a battle again. of the bands for the hell. I mean, me too. But yeah. I, I'm just saying there is a time crunch here. I mean, if you like a little bardic inspiration, I wouldn't mind having <laughs> a number out there. Maybe later. <laughs> so Lester leads you out, and Sophie will immediately say, well, if the armory here is anything like the, the armory on a real spelljammer, this might be problematic. Okay, I look over to Lester first, and I said, Lester, why would Coot send us to an armory that he might have access to? Lester's going to say, I, I'm not... Sure, I, I have a vague idea of where things are, but my understanding of the situation is pretty foggy since Ravnus woke me back up. Fair enough. Um, Looks over so- to Sophie yeah. and says, why? <laughs> Sophie says, yeah, I was wondering that as well. If this object in the armory is the ultimate helm, I don't know why it would be kept in the armory or why the captain would be concerned about someone have it. I don't think this object is the helm. But if this Captain Elmsworth says this object is what he needs, he may already possess the helm and needs this object for something yeah, else. Yeah, he did say... Oh, shit. Do you mean that was a waste of time? I'm the getting an update from the bacon that we may need to visit the Hedonist Queen. I was just about <laughs> to suggest the same Couldn't thing. Hurt. I mean, yeah, he did yeah. seem pretty confused when I asked him about the hat thing, so seems pretty likely he has no idea. Oh, I didn't put that together. Uh, oh, see, I work in mysterious ways. It's cool, Caspian. We'll get to know each other once you permanently join the Void Fair. <laughs> once you two become permanent yeah. residents. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, Sophie's going to say, um, yes, if we do need to get into the armory, it's going to be heavily protected by the servitors. Um, they are constructs that the ship manufactures to serve and protect itself and the inhabitants. If my great-grandfather's notes are to be believed, they will only allow access to the armory in emergencies that threaten the state of the ship. Well, perhaps if we create an emergency that threatens the state of the ship. I didn't have an ending for that. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's a solid plan. Oh, good. Wait, 
You said they're created by the ship. They're not. Are they? They're they people? They're gods? They because I because I'm looking over uh, uh, ra- ravenous? Ravenous? Ravenous. Ravenous. Yeah. Ravenous. And I'd be like, if we can figure out what these little gods look like, I mean, I feel like we have quite the capable person to infiltrate an armory right here. Because I mean, looking at you, it seems like you've had your fair share of pokies and punchies and <laughs> other other words. <laughs> that, um, but smoother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretend, pretend everything I say is just covered in charisma. <laughs> uh, Ravnus says, uh, what if the other guards are people that we want to keep alive? Oh, I'm not saying you punch them and, and poke them. I'm saying... If I can just figure out what they're wearing, I mean, if I have my, if I actually do have my gear with me, like, I'm quite, the, I'm quite good with coming up with last minute, you know, costumes. And I have a disguise. <laughs> and I would love to help you. Ah, so we seduce I mean, them. I also hate to say it, but I mean, if it's some sort of sneaking job, I mean, I can do it, I guess. I don't want to, I don't want to get hurt, but I can. I do have invisibility. Oh, okay, Marco. He he oh, he called it. That's way easier. Yeah, dibs for him. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so what do we think? Ca- well, look, we have three plans. That's nice. <laughs> and we have a couple like sub plans here. Caspian, you think we should go see the Hedonist Queen and just forget about the thing for now? I have been seeing all of this flowing like a river. We shall visit the Hedonist Queen and cause a scene, alerting the entire ship and causing the armory to open. While it is open, we will visit the inside, see what we shall seek, and survive another day. You know, sometimes he actually does come up with decent plans. It's not yeah. half bad. Although the hideous queen might have the object we're looking for already. Because again, we don't know if this object that Captain Elmsworth needs is the actual object that we need to get to Captain Cootie. Or whatever his name is. You do oh, fine. This is really hard to keep track it's of. It's alright. We can't even keep track of all the people on our ship. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, I, I did name and flesh out every single crew member on the ship. It may have been a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, then let's let's go find whoever. God, if it wasn't Roxana, now I'm really like actually kind of curious too. So let's let's do that one. Uh, right. I asked Lester, right. Lester to lead us there. Uh, okay, the, the Hedonist Queen. All, all right, I guess. We're, Wait, Lester, you know who that um, is? I mean, you probably had some interaction. I, I, I had. Yeah, the, okay, when, fuzzy. Yeah, all right. You don't need to say it. All right, let's move. The name is associated with a, a feeling of awkwardness and dread, if that makes sense. Okay, all right. It's another. Okay. That's a typical Tuesday. Sure. Okay, let's go. Ravenous, you got a twin? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just assuming it's Brolo. That was mean. I'm sorry. I love you, Ravnus. You're my friend, and I respect you. <laughs> that wasn't very funny. I know. That's going in the next oh, montage. Oh, goddammit, please. The next, the next, <laughs> the next <laughs> lucky because mean to... All right. She, uh-huh. she makes a note for me. <laughs> no. Because <laughs> yeah. in the next memory montage guilt trip. Yep. Marco's moving up the ranks mm, again. I'm saying it, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so Lester will lead you kind of back into the marketplace and towards the after the ship. And then you reach like a, a large building that kind of makes up the end of the marketplace. It's kind of a squat, nondescript building. And as you move around it to continue past it, you see some doors open and these strange creatures 
come out. There's a handful of them seem to be moving together. Um, they seem to be made out of this like leathery gray material, similar to the, what the ship itself is made out of. One of them is bipedal with large trunk like legs and kind of spindly dangly arms that doesn't have a head or anything or any other features. The other one is quadrupedal almost like horse legs, but it's moving kind of unnaturally like a Boston Dynamics robot. <laughs> uh, and it has two like arms hanging off the side and the front. It's very strange. And another one kind of is slithering like a snake. And Sophie looks at it and goes, uh, yes, those would be the servitors. They seem to match the description of my, my grandfather has in his journal. I look over to Ravnus and goes, yeah, I'm not probably going to be able to guys use that. I'm sorry. That's, that's, a, that was, that's way out of my uh, skills here. I thought maybe like a little embroidery here, a little metal there. You know, nope, nope. All right, so invisibility four, it is. five legs. And... Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I got so, a disguise kit too. Uh, we could both maybe just pitch in. Maybe two of us, two heads are better than one. It could work. <laughs> Make a yeah. giant horse. I'm like, well, you get to be the back end. I'm not being the back okay, end Okay, that's, that's fine, I suppose. <laughs> uh, as the planning is happening, Caspian sort of takes this moment to reflect on these shapes that you described. Is there sort of like our size, right? Are they larger or smaller, you think? The quadrupedal one is larger. The the bipedal one is it's still medium sized, but it's big. It's it's probably like seven feet tall and pretty broad, and it like stomps around. They look pretty formidable, big golem like things. So Caspian is looking at these and sort of comparing them to uh, ships that he's known in the past, or the design of ships. Do they seem to match up with any sort of uh, specialty design, either with the spelljammer or other? They seem to be made out of the same material of the Spelljammer that you're standing on. But beyond that, they look completely alien. Lester's going to lead you past, past that area um, to what looks like a large warehouse. It's kind of like a ruined, rundown warehouse. And you can hear music coming from the outside. It's kind of... It kind of has, like, the, the vibe of, like, a club beat, but it seems to be, like... It, it seems to be being like made not by proper instruments. Um, so it's a little okay. discordant, but uh, it, an attempt was certainly made. And you enter this place and it looks like a gigantic club almost. There's a bunch of people around. People are drinking. People are playing cards, playing Spacer's Gambit, rolling dice. There's uh, There appears to be a band that's playing this music with makeshift instruments that they've either found repaired or fashioned themselves with whatever they could find. And there's big barrels of ale that people are helping each other to. There's scantily clad figures standing on platforms dancing. And there is a massive throne built on the one end and sitting upon it with one leg up um, with a large tankard of ale. Marco Luckbeak and Ravnus recognize her as Brawla. Called it. Nice. <laughs> says Marco. That makes sense, that tracks. <laughs> for, for Bonnie and Xander's uh, reference. She is a uh, female dwarf, okay. unkept stubble on her face. She has a cigar out of her mouth, bright red lips and blue eyeshadow with her hair in kind of this retro style updo. She has a flowing pirate shirt with a very deep V, <laughs> no bra on and nothing to hide the nest of chest hair between her bosoms and uh, her hair on her arms and her stubby fingernails are painted bright red. <laughs> that is a queen. Yeah, yeah we stand. The hedonism queen. 
Marco Luckbeak and Ravnus, much uh, in the way you first met her, there is a topless human woman sitting on her knee. I almost <laughs> forgot she was on the ship. I, I'm scared to say, do we know the topless woman? No, you don't. <laughs> okay, I was about to say, we're going to get way too comfortable with a crew member very quickly. <laughs> no, you do not, you do not know. <laughs> we should have guessed it was her. Yeah, it's just a party in here. Uh, you see... The Tabaxi crew member, uh, Jack in Tatters, he's a black-furred Tabaxi, uh, one of the riggers of the Void Fair, who is dancing on a table with Scuttlebutt, the Kenku rigger that's aboard the, the Void Fair, as they usually are. If there's alcohol on a table, they will be dancing upon it. It is, I don't make the rules. Marco is fully under the assumption that they are like us, that they have all their memories. They're just going <laughs> with it. Yeah. They're just going with it. Very yeah. Best ever. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So yeah, uh, you you walk in to see this scene, this almost sensory overload before you. It, ugh, I cover my ears because the music is not, they call this music. <laughs> when you drop a bass, you don't literally drop the instrument on the ground to make the sound. <laughs> Through the complaining, exactly. though, you can see Caspian's into it, and he's immediately just dancing in the crowd and is making his oh. way towards the table. Uh, with the kinku and the tabaxi. Uh, we, we already lost hey, him. Uh, yeah. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. He goes with the flow. Oh, he, he fits right in. Perfect for the crew. He'll just be the third. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Nick, is Tiana here? Tiana is not here, okay. actually. Um, so it, you get the impression that there were others in, like, Coot's group that you didn't see. Um, but you don't know who, who makes that up. But you don't see, you don't see Tiana here. Okay. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so... I guess while the dancing is occurring, uh, Marco is going to approach Brawla. Uh, so she sees you walk up and she goes, Oh, who brings this tall drink of water into my fine establishment? Me, but um, either way. <laughs> so we are after something and we are under the impression that you have it. I can provide some things depending on what you're looking for, she says with a wink. <laughs> exactly the same mm -hmm. um <laughs> not changed <laughs> it was um so we're looking for um the helm the helm of a let me help uh ultimate that's what i was gonna the ultimate say help. thank you <laughs> yeah the ultimate helm do you guys know where it is <laughs> we are we are here looking for the ultimate helm um and we are led to believe that you have it the ultimate helm hmm what if I do have it? What are you prepared to trade for it? Because you see, I'm we'll give not... You, we'll give you the Caspian. <laughs> I'll te I'm terrified <laughs> to say I was just kind of like about to say anything you would it, like. Actually, I mean, Caspian <laughs> said he wants to stay on the Spelljammer. He seems to lack it in this club. Yeah. So not a terrible <laughs> idea. You say that and she, she glances over at the water genasi now dancing in the distance. She goes, well, a tempting <laughs> offer to be sure. But I think I'm going to need something a little more. He knows a lot of things, <laughs> if you know what I mean. He's very flexible. That is an appealing trait. <laughs> well, you see, I have no real desire to be captain of this ship. I'm quite happy where I am. I mean, have you seen what I've built here? Very nice. Yes. But I know how valuable such an item is. So a proper trade would be required. Oh, hey, wait, let me take a guess. You want something in the vault? Oh, no, I already got that. Oh, 
All right. Oh. Okay. That's good. We skipped the middle step here, guys. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great, because my disguise kit would not <laughs> have worked. <laughs> now you see, it's no, no secret that that bloody fool Elmsworth wants that item, so I took it upon myself to retrieve it. And I do also have the item that you're looking for. Okay. Well, what do you want? Just name it. I want the council chamber that Elmsworth currently has. He oh, can... the one with the light, the nice stage. Right? Could you imagine the burlesque show we can put on there? Well, that's, that's a good oh, point. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Wait, if we, I have an idea. It's a matchmaker thing. If we hook them up, Elmsworth and, and Brawla, then they will join forces and, like, holy matrimony and whatnot. We just well, need he, a priest uh, or uh, cleric. Uh, <laughs> mat matrimony isn't really much. <laughs> Uh, polyamorous matrimony. <laughs> now well, you're I talking. Mean, there ain't nothing uh, stopping. I mean, you ain't got no ambition. No, no offense. I mean, but I mean, all you want is his stadium. So if he lets you move in there and you give him an army of, of, uh, people who are rolling on Molly, that's great. I mean, it looks like we have, uh, <laughs> we have a deal here, right? I mean, we can go talk to him for you. Look, we're all lovers. We're not fighters here. Sure, yeah, sure. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, since this was kind of what I was planning on doing anyway, but since you're here, perhaps you can see that it's taken care of for me. That item that he wanted, I'll give it to you. In exchange that he agrees to give me the council chamber. And if he does that, I will give you the item that you're seeking. Okay. 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 Now, listen. Uh we're down to about a half hour. So, I mean, we can just sort of... Do we have to talk to both of you like two times? Because that seems like a lot. <laughs> Can't you just give us the item? Trust me, I think it'll be fine. We are right. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> so she's going to lift her hands and... And you see a figure come from the wings kind of in the corner wearing leather pants and no shirt. A big bushy brown beard and a leather collar is Brohane. <laughs> the uh, bosun of the ship and he oh. kind of sh like shuffles forward with a platter with a small item on it and presents it to Brawla and she'll pick it up and she goes this was the thing that Elmsworth wanted so badly and she'll toss it to Luckbeak and it is a small golden ring with an intricate circular like disc um, on the top where there would be like a stone but inlaid in the center of that disc is actually three tiny blue crystals Okay. All right. Uh, any inscription or anything on the inside? Okay. Nope. Neat. Okie dokie. It's all right, little one. You have my sword. And his axe. <laughs> you hold on to that ring. We'll get it there. All right. I can't fly, fool, so just say it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, with the proper amount of yeeting. <laughs> That's true. All right. Ramna's pretty strong. She's done it before. All right. Let's go back. <laughs> Lester will lead you back, and on the way back, he goes, well, that seems pretty straightforward. You just run a couple of errands, and it sounds like we'll all be out of here, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I am kind of worried about, you know, will it pull our whole crew back, or... I mean, I guess we'll figure it out when we get there, but I'm just kind of concerned about, you know, the logistics. Maybe once we actually get out of this, we can pull the others out. 
Yeah. Sophie's going to say, uh, once, once we're on the, um, the material plane side and we're at the location of the, uh, the bodies that are still astral projecting, it's actually quite trivial to, to get them out of it. Just a simple dispel magic or sure. <laughs> yeah, snapping them really hard. Maybe might, might work. I'm only going on how astral projection works, which seems similar, but not exactly oh, the same. Sure. But I think if we can get ourselves out of here, we can help the others from all right, the other side. All right. All right. It is a plan. All right. And then if there's someone on your crew you don't like very much, just let them Man, <laughs> I hadn't considered that. We are gods right now. Uh, <laughs> that's what I've been saying this whole time. Let's be pleased. <laughs> maybe, maybe let, uh, what's his name? Sleep a little kale. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Bullshit. He needs it. <laughs> All right. So you get back to this large council chamber and you're allowed back to where Elmsworth is. And he says, well, that was rather quick. Yes. Captain's Elmsworth. I'm going to slowly creep up to it again. And I'm just going to use that play I did last time. We have suffered greatly and sacrificed much to get the item that we've decided that you know I'm thinking and I'm looking around like, don't you think you, you need a little bit better headquarters this, this doesn't really do it really like this little stage I mean I feel like I feel like there's a better location you could go to well we just recently relocated here because it's annoyingly right on the doorstep of the captain and his people but he'd be expecting you to be right at his doorstep. You need to go <laughs> to the aft. In fact, we just spoke to a queen. She was rather hideous. And she has a location that's so dark and grimy that would be perfect for your base. And I think you two should do a little switcheroo. Just an idea. Anyone else that has That seems an like an awful lot of headache for a simple change of scenery uh, i mean uh, let's let's not let's not bury the lead here bluebell he she also said that she would give you the the, the doohickey if you switched her houses she did help us yes in order for us to acquire this item she had to help us and in doing so we kind of give away your <laughs> yeah this may be a done deal <laughs> badly did you want that item? <laughs> so what you're telling me is this hedonist queen aided you in recovering the item I asked for, and you used a bartering chip you did not possess to gain her help. Look, it seemed that you really wanted it, though, so we figured, you know, what's a building? Does anyone really own the theater? <laughs> <laughs> they have a point, you know. God, I don't mean... I, I don't mean to be a nihilist or nothing, but uh, Marco, how do I communicate to him that none of this actually matters? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, <laughs> none of this actually oh, matters. Go. It's all going to be over peasy. soon. <laughs> In all honesty, your lordship, captainship, um, once you acquire this item and start planning your evil oh. plan to take over, not evil, I mean very righteous and smart plan to take over the spell jammer. You won't even need this theater anymore because you will be the captain on the other side of the ship owning the whole other part too. What's this one little building with a stage? I can also very much promise you 
that if you do this, then Coot, the captain of the ship, will be cooking your dinners for a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. I do like the sound of that. And I suppose if I am captain, I can take any part of the ship I want. Exactly. So you can just give this to her now and then take it over when you become the real captain of the ship. It's so easy. Or just, or because you'll be captain, you could be like, hey, give me 15% of your profits and we'll call it even. And then you actually make a little something on the side and everyone's happy. How very <laughs> fiscal. <laughs> or, or just like have her assassinated, but like maybe wait a day before you have her assassinated so that, you know, we can work some stuff out in the background. Yeah. Right. She's actually quite nice. You actually might like her. She's not into matrimony, by the way. She's into <laughs> other things. You might want to, you know, just keep talk to her. She's quite... She seems quite the catch, I guess. All right. If you can provide the item that I asked, I will agree to relinquish my control of this area of the ship. Okay. I fish around in my pocket. I'm sure I put it in one of these pockets. Like, oh, she. Okay, here it is. Thank gosh. The ring race came out of nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) uh, He reaches out and takes it. Um. Now, you know that if Rala, the hedonist queen, has the ultimate helm, he would still need that as well. You're planning on getting it and giving it to Coot in reality. But when you give him this ring, he has a look on his face of, my plans are complete now. He doesn't know about the ultimate (laughs) thing. (laughs) He takes the ring and he says, finally. He slips it on his finger and he closes his hand into a fist and he closes his eyes and one of the three stones on the ring alights while he concentrates as he uses one of the wishes on the ring of wishing. Oh, 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 shit. Suddenly there is a rumbling sound and this high-ceilinged room above a gate forms. As he uses the wish to cast the ninth level spell gate, and through it you see just this churning, like, cosmos, and emerging through the gate, its snout first, a massive toothy maw, a single eye, gigantic pincered hands and spiked back leading into a tail that zigzags off into seemingly infinity disappearing is a gargantuan astral dreadnought i'm just gonna look at the party and go maybe this oh oh no no (laughs) i'm gonna cast invisibility on myself first Fuck this shit, I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, really. Well, no, what I'm going to try to do is get that ring off his yeah. fucking hand. <laughs> uh, you know what? Let's roll initiative. Okay. All right. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> um, did, I cast in, did I cast invisibility before initiative or... I would say you'll cast... You, I'll let you cast a, a invisibility as an immediate reaction, but let's roll initiative. Uh, and... We're That's fair. Fun. <laughs> Also, just as a quick note to, to anybody watching, the actual dreadnought is one of those things that you can cover. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's real bad. 
Yeah, that was awful. <laughs> <laughs> a little reminder of the sticks. <laughs> the plan here is clear, right? Oh, I love filet mignon. <laughs> we just ignore everything and fight the astral dreadnought to death. Correct? That's what we're doing? That's our plan? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, CR-21 okay, monster? Yeah, go. go for it. Yeah, well, we could, but... So, anybody get higher than a 20? Nope. Uh, 15 to 20? 18. All right. Anyone else? No. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the rub, Bonnie, is that our three characters can't die, so we can just do whatever we want. It's fine. <laughs> Quad immunity. We're Go ahead and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I are kind of screwed. Uh, anybody get 10 to 15? 12. 5 to 10? 5. five. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, yeah, that's five. Ooh, I, I oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, the astral dreadnought goes first. <laughs> It's so, shocking. Um, it's, the Astral Dreadnought immediately seems disoriented because the gate spell just yoinked it from wherever else it was in the Astral Sea. Um, but the one thing you notice is with its eye open, uh, you see everything kind of immediately in front of it. The structure above you um, and kind of out in front, like over your head, begins to sort of disintegrate um, as if the magic in this astral projection is being dispelled by the anti-magic cone of its eye. Uh-huh. Um, it is disoriented coming through the gate, however, and does not take any other actions. Luckbeak. Um, I mean, I had the same immediate thought as Marco, uh, which is um, if I saw that ring light up before this happened, then I am going to use some sleight of hand or whatever it is uh, to try and just snag that ring. So- okay, so... You're trying to, like, run up on Elmsworth? I mean, we were pretty close. He took the ring from me, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll say um, you kind of have to, like, make a grapple check to, like, because, to, like, he he has the ring on his hand. Mm-hmm. There's not really going to be, like, a way for you to sneak it no, off I, of his hand. Yeah, I don't think at this point. Yeah, so you're basically going to run up and grapple him. And if you can successfully grapple him, then you'll have a chance of being able to pull the ring off his finger. Okay. And I, I think in doing this, I'm also using my help bonus action with uh, Master of Tactics to just kind of, like almost like a look at me if i fail i want to help marco yeah, yeah i'll allow that cool yeah i'll allow that so you're using your bonus as a as a help action to help marco do or anyone anyone who does it next okay try to get the ring off his finger that sounds good to me sure so go ahead and make an athletics check athletics just for my own mind does he have flippers or fingers uh I, <laughs> do i have fingers right yeah uh yeah. he has fingers but they're kind of like, like the, the penguin from turtle. batman kind uh-huh. of like flat like sausage fingers yeah so, uh, what'd you get? Uh, 14. 14? Nope. You're not strong, motherfucker. Yeah, uh, he got a 15. He just barely beat uh, you. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. I'm amazed that um, I even got close. So, yeah, you immediately leap forward and try to grab him, but he, he quickly pulls his hand out of your grasp. But okay. You are firmly in, in his face. Sure. I'm doing the basketball him. block, sort of. Right. Uh, Marco. All right. Um, I am invisible. invisible. I'm running up to get that fucking ring. <laughs> so yeah, you can get to him just fine. You do have, uh, you are invisible, so he doesn't see you. So, but I would say make a sleight of hand check. You have advantage. Okay. But since there's not such thing as a super advantage from Luckbeak distracting him and you being invisible, I'll give you advantage and a extra plus three. Okay. That's a seventeen. You get it. All right. Uh, and as a note, the um the astral dreadnought. Uh, does not go away or anything. It's there. <laughs> no, I think I, I, I've taken all my actions, so it's going to be at least one more action before I can even put the ring on and use it. Right. Wait, does it require attunement? Uh, it doesn't look like it. 
Okay, I was about to say, if it does, we are in deep shit. (laughs) (laughs) Bluebell. Oh, yes. So I didn't mention this in the beginning. Tell me if I'm not allowed to have this or not. But one of the things that my character has is a rapier of life of life stealing. I don't know if that, that was sounds allowed. Cool. I didn't know. I had yeah. yeah, I have a special weapon. You have that special weapon of astral dreadnought slaying? <laughs> yeah, no. No, 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 no. I just had it's it has uh-huh. nothing to do with a dreadnought at all. No, I know. I know. You I know. know. If I roll a natural 20, it'll be really nice. Sure. Um, no, that that's fine. In any I, case, I have that, but I'm also extremely stealthy. So what I'm going to try and do is kind of like as soon as this appears, I'm be like, oh hell no, and uh, <laughs> grab my sword and uh, kind of like go around the side while it's kind of disoriented and, and trying to attack it because I'm not really much of a fighter. But I mean, what yeah. choice do we have? Sure, uh, go ahead and attack. <laughs> okay. Oh, I don't think that's gonna happen. I got a six. <laughs> no. Yeah, this this giant creature who is like <laughs> hovering above, uh, you can like kind of like jump on some crates and be able to reach it with your rapier. However, it uh, it drifts out of your way uh, as you swing, and you don't make any sort of contact. I give it a paper cut. <laughs> yes, very painful, but not very damaging. <laughs> uh, Caspian or Ravnus, whoever would like to go first. I feel like Caspian and Ravnus can kind of look at each other with "We're going to attack this thing" energy, right? Is that what I'm sensing? Yeah, let's let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they both kind of take off at the same time, but I'll let Ravnus uh, go on and take the lead. Yeah, she's going to uh, pull out her longsword, go up to it, and uh, start swiping. Go for it. That is a twenty-three. That does hit. All right. Um, she is going to do her um, psychic armament stuff on it, too, to deal Ooh. extra damage. Yes. Um, Fuck yes, I night. <laughs> is uh, 10 damage for the first one, and then she's going to swing again. Um, and does a 20 hit, a natural 20? Uh, it does. Okay. Then she deals an additional... Um, 12 and i will fight a d8 and is, also roll that is your sword magic uh no it's not it doesn't do anything <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> so, well would the psionics hit it the psionics would hit it yes okay so for the first one that would be seven damage okay. and the um second one that would be six damage okay cool uh, yeah, so you hit it, but your blade is completely unaffected, and then there's that burst of psionic purple flame, and the force just poof, and then you see the flesh of it, like, recoil. So you did hurt it, but not as much as you normally would. Gotcha. Caspian. So seeing uh, the other attacks kind of go through, Caspian's looking for the best angle, and then with the fluid motion of water sort of, like, uh, uses the, the flotsam and the debris that's sort of happening. To mm-hmm. get a vantage point on the eye that's that's casting, uh, mm-hmm. is it like massive or is it reasonable? It is. It is massive. It's it's like you know probably two three feet across. Okay, so he's going to uh, lean back and then extend his arm forward, and he's using water whip. Uh, mm-hmm. So he's expending some key points, uh, and he creates like a, a whip that's thirty feet uh, that can do some bludgeoning damage, and he's aiming directly at this eye to try to do like make it close the eye or, or sure 
So yeah. it has to do a dex saving throw with a DC of 12. Okay. You're a waterbender. <laughs> I am water. <laughs> it, does, it does succeed. It, okay, it got so a 15. It'll succeed on half. Okay. Uh, 6.5. So that is 12. So 6 points. 6 points. Yeah, you hit it in the eye, and, and it, like, blinks instinctively, but mm-hmm. um, since it succeeded at save, its eye does not remain shut. Uh, but it's funny, because when its eye shuts, everything that's in front of it stops deteriorating, mm-hmm. but as soon as it opens again, it starts fading away. And now that you can see that everything there is now fading away to nothingness, it's like it is taking the eraser tool in Photoshop right. and starting to just erase everything in this astral projected ship it's all white and gray squares <laughs> it's always been white and gray squares <laughs> always has been <laughs> so um it is now its turn it is still uh, disoriented and then you're now attacking it so it's thrashing around its eye is now going in a wide arc that now takes the entire roof of this room off revealing that opalescent space of the astral sea beyond and it is going to since ravenous is the closest just going to take a claw and i rolled poorly but uh it it was still a 19 to hit <laughs> ow yeah. plus plus 16 uh and you take 19 slashing damage that's fine <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it's just your ghost self. Not yeah. Your <laughs> and uh, it's going to uh, it's going to take a swipe at uh, Caspian as well. Um, that's going to be a twenty-eight to hit. You know that'll hit. <laughs> just a little. Uh, yeah. And you also take nineteen slashing damage. Oopa doofa. Okay. <laughs> sure do. <laughs> and um, it lets out a roar and begins flying upwards thrashing its head and again as it moves its head there's a large swath of the ship that just gets disintegrated to nothing um at this point elmsworth is so marco you would become visible i think Um, when you yes because i interacted with a creature yeah so you pop back so uh the the ring comes off his finger and he looks down at you and just goes no uh and he's going to tackle you say yes (laughs) (laughs) actually He's going to tackle you to attempt to get the ring out of your hand. All right. You can make an athletics or a dexterity. Acrobatics. Okay. Um, 15. He has a 19. So he has you grappled. Okay. Um, he has you grappled, um, and he's trying to, like, get the ring out of your hand, but he can't do anything more on this turn. Luckbeak, it's your turn. I hate that I have to do this but I think I have to. Uh, He's not looking at me because he's grappling Marco. So I walk behind him with my crossbow and I think with my hand shaking, I'm like, Marco, you got to make that wish fast before anything permanent happens. Uh, And then I, I, I don't think I can do it. Uh, I, I, I don't think I can do it. Um, I think I just uh-huh. follow my ass and uh, Jesus, that was in the moment. No, I don't have a plan. Um, <laughs> oh, here, that oh, is great character development yeah, and I'm I, fucking I, here I, for I it. Take fucking it. inspiration. Oh, thank you. Okay, got it. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, fuck. Uh, so so I, I think instinctually, I like look back at this thing that's like wiping out huge swaths of the, the, the uh, Photoshop canvas and yeah. um, <laughs> uh, I cast animal friendship on it. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, oh. You cast the spell, and uh, it does not. It does not take effect. Nicholas, I have not is... rolled yet. You fool. <laughs> it's not. It's not a creature. Yeah. Okay. It's not a. It's not a beast. That's fair. Um, it is a monstrosity. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, but good try. Yeah, so you're trying, you're trying, you're you're leveled it at the back of Elmsworth's head, and you just can't do it. You're just like fuck, and you just turn and cast the spell up at the astral dreadnought, yeah. and there's no effect. Yeah, there's a no, fart right. sound. It's just, I don't think <laughs> I don't think I actually have this spell. I've never used it successfully. <laughs> it's never once worked. No. Uh, the the uh, asteroid hopper, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Marco, you are being grappled currently. Um. I'm going to try to get this ring on my finger. Okay. He's trying to get the ring out of your hand and grappling you. So you'll need to make either an athletics check or a dexterity check against oh. his grapple to see if you can succeed. Dear God, why does it have to be physical? Why did I have to go? Okay. <laughs> um, why are you a wimpy boy? <laughs> <laughs> because that's what I'm, I'm an intelligent boy. I do the intelligence. I don't do the fist. Um, we have knowledge, power, and courage in this team, yeah. Nick. So I, I, I actually look over. Um, I'm going to take a free action. And the gift of yeah. heart. Um, I'm first going to take a free action as I'm wrestling with him before I t attempt this and be like, "Luck be, get him off of me! I don't care how, get him off of me!" Um, and then I'm going to roll. Okay, okay, that's a twenty. A twenty dexterity. A twenty? Yeah. You succeed. Woohoo! Oh. Yeah, I just popped that thing on. Um, okay. Do I have this do, up. do I have the ability to wish? Um, you always do. <laughs> you do. Do I have the ability to dream? <laughs> it's 9.58. I hope he has the ability to wish. <laughs> yes. I will let you cast wish. Okay, so my wish is going to be um, that everybody... Okay, well, first I want to ask one question to Nick before I do uh -huh. this. Mm -hmm. um, if... I cast everybody that should be on the material plane to be back on the material plane. Will the astral dreadnought stay here and just destroy everything? Yes, you know that the astral dreadnought is native to the astral plane. It is actually physically impossible for it to leave the astral plane. The astral dreadnought would not go anywhere. I think, um, yeah, Marco's only thing is that he's like, oh no, I'm going to uh, leave this astral dreadnought to destroy the spirit of the spelljammer. But he's like, I don't have time to think about that right now. So. As Marco's wish, he wishes that all creatures that belong on the material plane return back to the material plane. That's how you're phrasing it? Don't Please do that to us, specific. Nick. Please be more specific. You know what? Yes, that is all creatures that belong on the material plane return back to the bodies that they inhabit. Okay. okay. That's better. That's a lot better. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot all of right. material plane. <laughs> Yeah. You. I'm now the, in the body of a peanut. <laughs> I'm like, no. No, it, or it's like it's like everybody in Sigil, the everyone oh, in the no. city of doors in Sigil just <laughs> just gets <laughs> junted into the yeah, into the material. Everyone in the people. in the in the multiverse yeah. that is not on the material plane that originally came there just pops that's, back to that's fine. <laughs> marco does a whole lot of bad yeah every dead body okay. comes back to life every right. banished you focus on the ring uh you actually see that the the crystal that lit up when elmsworth cast wish is now cracked you didn't look at it close before you actually see that the, there was already a crystal cracked on it 
and the last crystal alights and cracks. And suddenly, you are yanked like someone yanks you on a rope from from the back of your spine. Uh, and you all individually hurdle this disc portal opens behind you and you're pulled through. And then suddenly you wake up. You're laying on the ground on your respective ships. Caspian and Bluebell and Sophie, you are in the helm's room of your tradesmen, still floating in this nebula. The debris of what you can probably speculate was from a spelljammer past that had been destroyed somehow here, creating this nebula, its spirit continuing to thrive. <laughs> Marco Luckbeak and Ravnus, you awaken in the Voidfarer. You sit up, you see there's other crew members sitting up and rubbing their heads. Brawla is nearby. You see her kind of get up and go, well, that was a sexy as fuck dream. <laughs> <laughs> you see Val, you see Elmsworth, um, who is only the first mate, the, the quartermaster on the Voidfarer, um, get up and shake his head, confused. Coot, he wakes up in his galley, where he always is. Oh, Captain Cootie. Alone. <laughs> no one's around. Oh. And he gets up and he scratches Long his long. head. and goes, what a curious dream. And he thinks for a moment and he nobody sees, but he reaches down and lifts a small chest. And you see that there is a long overcoat folded neatly with a tri-corner hat on top of it. <laughs> and he shuts it and pats it. What a cutie. And you are, are back on the material plane on the Voidfarer and can continue your mission as originally intended. Yay. Aw, uh, yeah. What is our mission? Because I'm still not very clear about it. I just want to shut those crystals out of Sophie's Yeah. Your, your quest was to find the Voidfarer, and it seems that her crystal... Spelljammer. Was... The, the, yeah, 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 yeah. The I was going to say. Names. Uh, <laughs> the, find the Spelljammer. Um, and it seems that her crystal had locked on to the spirit of this Spelljammer that was destroyed here however many eons ago. Um, and Well, we did it, yeah. so yay! It's a, a job well done, everyone! Let's go! Yep. And it appears that uh, it appears that ships that fly into this invisible nebula, their body, their souls get sucked to the astral plane to inhabit this astral version of the Spelljammer. Um, and everyone else apparently in there was also people who had gotten stranded in the nebula. So those frost giants, those Nyagis, mind players? Weird. Um, yeah, lifted. I heard that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. And you can presume that they were all shunted back into their bodies. We... We immediately keelhaul Brohane, by the way. <laughs> like, immediately. Elmsworth, you mean? Or Elmsworth, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. yeah Brohane was a little, like, yeah. sex servant. Yeah, 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 that's right. We Elmsworth, yeah. we just... Brohane was we, fine. We're mad Elmsworth. at Elmsworth. Straight up kill him. Is that possible? We're going to have the next friendship moment with Elmsworth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to go through the memories. Look. It's going to be a whole thing. <laughs> you don't know how much they were actually like themselves in the mm, We were That's ourselves. why we're doing the friendship montage. Yeah. We're going to need to have a conversation with Elmsworth, yeah? <laughs> right, for sure. So, But anyway, uh, Bonnie and Xander, thank you so much for joining us for our weird space hijinks. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. That so was fun. so fun. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for playing. 
So everybody else, uh, you can uh, check out episodes of Tales of the Void Fair by going to voidfairpodcast.com or finding us anywhere you find podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at voidfairpod, on Facebook and Instagram at voidfairpodcast. You can get cool merch like our threat analysis yeah. mug at <laughs> our Redbubble like. shop at bit.ly slash derailed shop and some other cool shirts and stuff. Um, quick, does anybody want to plug things? Bonnie, Xander, anything coming up? Any projects you want to plug? Yeah, well, I stream on Twitch every Monday and Tuesday. I play classic adventure games like Monkey Island, and Virtue's is going to be starting Grim Fandango. Uh, and then uh, also, Bonnie and I are doing a ongoing Star Trek RPG show Monday nights, uh, and that's at 6.30 Pacific time over at twitch.tv slash times. Oh, I should talk too. Uh, <laughs> I have been, I've been posting uh, a lot of solo music lately. If you look at my social media, you can see a lot of fun songs, medleys, and mashups that I've been doing. Uh, in case you want to find more of what Xander and I do together, you can check out our band, Library Bards. We are hey. a nerd parody band. <laughs> yeah, you missed the jazz hands. You're fired. Uh, <laughs> I did it. I did it. I did it. You're I a nerd. Hey. <laughs> yeah, but you did it like, okay, maybe there's a delay. But it was, it was, not, it was not in sync, and I'm very disappointed in you. Uh, but we, we have nerdy parodies for anywhere you can find music. Yeah, YouTube, iTunes, Bandcamp, Spotify. Uh, we are on Patreon. Uh, go stalk us. <laughs> bad, or, or not just bad way to leave up. that up yeah <laughs> up. the usual suspects tanner saker and fiona anything you guys want to plug uh sure yeah uh 2d6 is the canon arch enemy of the library bards uh 2d6 music.bandcamp.com we hate them they hate us uh and then my other podcast which <laughs> bonnie and xander have each been on individually and will maybe one day be on together it's all been done american ladies podcast Ooh, that was so fast. I don't think I can keep up with that. Uh, but um, I just finished uh, the first season of podcast, Fables Around the Table Curse. Uh, it's a supernatural family drama podcast. Uh, and we will be playing, a, it's an actual play podcast. We'll be playing another game that is set to come out in a couple weeks here. And it's really fun. And also I have a podcast called Big Streaming Pile, which is about bad movies <laughs> on streaming services. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here, man. Part of the <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Tanner is on Tales of the Void Fair. <laughs> uh, shout out to our good friend, Chelsea, who's been doing a kick-ass job modding in the chat. And uh, Chelsea is also going to be GMing the next uh, season of Fables Around the Table, where we're playing Visigoths versus Mulgots, um, <laughs> which will be a lot of fun. So keep a lookout for that. Um, yeah. Anyway, thanks for watching. And uh, see you next time. See you. Kill the stream, Tom. Kill the stream. Kill the stream. <laughs> Cross the stream. Cross the stream. Are we dead? ProjectDerailed.com